Good morning, church. Wow, you look all great. And it, it's so lovely to have so many visitors with us today. If I try and greet you in Portuguese, I'll probably mess it up. But I could say, Ahoya, ahoya, bem-vindo. <laughs> so um, it's really lovely to, to all be together today. And if you were here for Sarah's Weber's talk the other week, or if you've listened to it online, you'll know what I mean when I say that my reset button has not been pressed today. It's definitely been totally disengaged and disconnected. Normally, you'll find me right at the back of the church, um, but today I'm here, and it's a fulfillment of a very old prophetic word, I think. So anyway, so recently, these past weeks, we've been having a series of talks on building community, initially focused on here within the body of Christ, we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, the Bible tells us that we labor in vain. It's much easier, isn't it, to talk about it than to do it. And I, for one, know that because I've lived overseas um, with many missionaries and it was pretty difficult. It would be like actually living with all of us together. What was that? Um, so I know it's difficult. And over these past weeks, we've heard some really powerful and challenging messages. We've heard talks on forgiveness, generosity, shared responsibility, and transformation, as well as Sarah's talk about the reset button and about going deeper. Now, you can listen to any of these talks if you've missed them online on the church website, and I'd really encourage you to do that. But it's no good just hearing the word on a Sunday morning and going out of the door and just going home the same as you were when you came in. We're told in God's word that we need to apply his word. We need to not only be listening to the word, but we need to be doers of the word. So my talk this morning is on the power of encouragement. So it's about community. It's about community within the church first before we go out there. And this is about the power of encouragement. So encouragement is to give courage, essentially. That's what it means. It's the act, the definition of it is, it's the act of giving someone support, confidence, hope. It is motivation, it's stimulation, emboldening, incentive, inspiration. It's to further advance, strengthen and enrich, fuel and champion. Wow, that's an amazing list of words, isn't it? So, this picture, I think, which was taken of one of our children in Mozambique, that to me is the power of encouragement in somebody's life. It's to raise them up to raise them up to all they can be in Christ, to champion them along the way, but also to challenge them along the way. It's not just about saying, there, there, it'll all be fine. So there's many references in Scripture about encouragement. There's a few in the Old Testament, but mostly you'll find them in the New Testament. And the ones I'm going to look at this morning, um, I'll reference some of them. Romans 12, 5 to 8 says, so in Christ, 
We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So we see from those two scriptures that for some people it's a gift given by the Holy Spirit, a special gift given, a gift of encouragement that in a way you do it naturally, except that you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's for anybody and everybody. It's for within the body of Christ, but also for outside. But, and that's a big but, we are all called to encourage each other. We are all called to encourage each other daily, the word says, and it's not an option. It's not an option that you can opt in or opt out. We're told that we must do it. So, Paul, one of Jesus' disciples, wrote many letters. He wrote many letters in the New Testament. You'll find them in the Bible to the churches. And he wrote to believers in those churches. And he wrote to encourage them, to instruct them, and to address specific issues that were going on within the churches. He wrote to challenge and encourage believers. If one of Satan's greatest weapons is to discourage God's people, how do we become a people living encouraged and giving encouragement to others? Well, firstly, I believe it's in our pursuit of knowing Christ. It's our pursuit of knowing him in relationship And then his power and his kingdom is released through us out of that relationship within him. We operate then out of his heart of love for others. If I live encouraged, I can wake up every morning and know that God is 100% for me. If I live encouraged... I live a life of continual thankfulness. If I live encouraged, I can see God's sovereign in all things. That's where the bar's set. It's up here. And I don't pretend to stand here before you today and say, that's where I'm at, that's where I'm at. But I can look back in my life. I can look back in my life and see that I don't wallow in those pity parties anymore. I used to love my pity parties, and I used to indulge in them and wallow in them, but I'm thankful that they're a thing of the past and that now I can come into this place of living encouraged. And we have to encourage ourselves. There are many ways that we can encourage each other's too, and we need to do that. But what are some of the ways? 
So one of the ways that we can encourage each other is by sharing testimony. Sometimes you hear people stand at the front of church and share a testimony, and that's for the benefit of everybody. Sometimes it might just be one-on-one -on -one with one person. When I was living and working in Mozambique um, initially, a team of people came out, and there was a lady on that team who was a similar age to myself. She was an American lady. And we got on very well together, and we had lots of chats. And so we learned lots about each other's lives and families and things. And she encouraged me with a testimony of how her son, who was a similar age to my younger son, had come back to the Lord. And she, she told me how she had prayed for many, many years. And finally, he had come back. This prodigal had come home. And at that time, my younger son, Ben, was not walking with the Lord. He was far away from church, far away from God. And that testimony really spoke to me. It really encouraged me at that time. And it stirred faith up in me. Well, within a year, I, I don't know the exact time because I don't remember, but certainly within a year when I was then in India, I received an email from Ben telling me, relating to me a whole long story, which I won't go into now, but basically that he'd had a terrible catastrophic car crash and basically should have been dead or at, at the very least severely injured, but he got out of that car and there was not a scratch on him. And he knew in that moment, he said, that it was God that had saved him. And so in that moment, he dedicated, he gave his life to the Lord and said, okay, Lord, whatever you want of me, I will do. So not only did that lady's testimony encourage me, and I'd been holding on for years and years in faith for Ben, but then I also have a testimony of what God's done in Ben's life, and he has one too. And, and I can encourage and share it with other people to build faith in them. It's amazing what the power of testimony does. So another way that we can um, encourage people is through prophetic words. God gives us the gift of prophecy, and we can prophesy over the body of Christ. We can prophesy over a specific person as God gives us a word to speak to that person. And that's a very, very powerful way because prophetic <laughs> words are they come from the, the Holy Spirit, from the voice of God, and, but they need to be weighed and tested, of course. I've been blessed in my time, particularly overseas, to receive many, many prophetic words, and I write them all down. I've got them all in a journal, and when I'm going through a really tough time, I get that journal out, and I read, I read them all, and many of them have similar things written in them so I can see a, a thread running through I can see a line of similar things and that encourages me to hold on to hold on and believe God for things that I haven't yet seen come to pass in my life and so that's a, a very it's a great way to encourage each other and if you don't have the gift of prophecy if you don't have the gift of encouragement then ask God for it he's a good God and he wants to give us gifts so you can ask God for that gift. Another way that we can encourage people is to, to pray for them. And not just once either, but, but continue. Continue to pray. Sometimes people's issues, their difficulties in life can go on for a long season. They need somebody alongside them to be encouraging, to be challenging, to, to champion them on. We can meet up with people. We can meet up with people anywhere, anytime. So 
the next scripture I'm going to read is Hebrews 10:25. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, there's a real need, I believe, at this current time to be encouraging each other. Whatever you think about where we are on the spectrum of end days, clearly we're still moving towards that. And, and we're meant to be encouraging each other and spurring each other on. And, and there's a real need to be able to do it to such a degree within here that then it's very powerful when we take it outside. It makes a difference out there in the world. So there's, there's many other ways. I'm sure you can think of numerous ways to encourage people. You can take somebody out for a meal. You can buy them a meal or cook them a meal and take it round to them. You can buy somebody a gift. And when I was again in Mozambique, I received an email one time telling me that, I think it was probably from Stuart, telling me that a very dear and close friend of mine had died. Now, I had seen that friend on my last visit back to England, and I knew that she had cancer, and I knew that it didn't look very good. Um, but she was very upbeat. She, was, she actually was very encouraging to everybody that met with her at that time. And she wasn't expected at that time to live very long, but I went back and, and it was many, many, many months later that I got this news that my friend had died. And I felt quite devastated. I felt really sad, of course, and, but I felt so far away. I'm 6,000 miles away or whatever it is in Mozambique. And what I felt was so alone. In that time, I felt so alone. Because although I could share it with people I was with and they could pray for me, nobody actually knew this person. So there wasn't anybody I could go to that really, really knew her that I could share it with on a level that I felt I really wanted to. So I was carrying this kind of this horrible sense of grief and aloneness. And a couple of days later, a friend, Lakita, came to the center with her husband visiting from South Africa. Now, they were American people who were living in South Africa and coming through on a regular basis to encourage and support us missionaries. Well, she came and she gave me a present. She said, I brought you a present. Now, she said, I brought this for you a couple of weeks ago, but you weren't here. You were away on a break. Now, if she had given me that present a couple of weeks back, my friend would still have been alive then, but she gave it to me a couple of days after she died, and she gave me this gift, and it was beautifully wrapped, and it had roses on the paper. Now, my name is Helen Rose, so before I'd even unwrapped this gift, I knew it was special. It looked beautiful, even just wrapped up in the paper. And I unwrapped it to find a beautiful, soft, pale pink pashmina shawl. That's my favorite color. And also a little satin roll, a perfume satin roll to go in a drawer to make your clothes smell nice. In that moment, it was like God himself had given me that gift. It was like he said, you see, I know. 
I know, and I'm here, and I understand. That gift was just incredible. It spoke volumes to me. It had been given by a lady who listened to the voice of the Spirit, and it brought incredible encouragement to me at that time. So does God always send somebody to encourage us when we're in need? Well, actually, I don't think so. Have you read Job? The book of Job does not speak of encouragement to me. It speaks of a man who was yeah, in a very dire situation. God stripped him of everything. He was physically in a disgusting state and his friends did everything but encourage him. God allowed Job to be tested. And God will allow us to be tested at times too. Although hopefully not in the same way as Job. Paul also endured many hardships and had many reasons to be discouraged. He was a disciple of Christ. And yet in all of them he pressed on and through the trials and difficulties. After he'd actually been stoned in Lystra and left for dead... He then subsequently went back there to encourage the disciples. When he and Silas had been released from prison, they went and encouraged the brothers and sisters. That's what the word says in Acts. So were they brought down by those terrible things that happened to them? Were they in a place of discouragement? No. How could they have gone and encouraged brothers and sisters and disciples if they themselves have been brought so low by their situation. No, they managed to get through it with the encouragement of Christ. There is an encouragement that comes from God alone. I just want to read these scriptures. So 2 Thessalonians 2.16, this just highlights what I'm saying. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Some of the most powerful words of encouragement I've ever received have come from God alone. Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And Acts 9.31 says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. When I was living and working in India in an AIDS clinic, a guy from America came to do some workshops and they were for some of the people that came to the clinic with HIV and AIDS. They were for some of the workers there and they were for the women on the sewing project that I helped set up and run. So there was a mixture of people on this workshop. And at the end of it, he encouraged people 
to get up and tell their story. Now, he'd spent two days telling people, your identity is not in your diagnosis. It's in Christ. And he called out this lady, Lachmi, who was one of the ladies from the sewing project. He called her out. She didn't get a choice <laughs> because she for sure would never have gone. And she came up the front and stood in front of everybody. Now, these women would never, ever have spoken to uh, several people. And most of them had never actually even told somebody, well, actually, I'm HIV positive, although they all knew that they were, but they didn't tell each other. They didn't talk about it. And she stood up in front of everybody, and she started telling her testimony. And she told of how her husband had died of AIDS, and then she had become very ill. And although she was working, and she managed to work for a long time until she got really, really sick, and then she couldn't work anymore. So she had to put her daughters in a hostel, which was really sad. Anyway, she just wanted to die. She just wanted, to, she wanted her life to end, and she wanted to die, but thankfully she didn't. Somebody told her about the ministry I was working with, Narikshna it's called, it's an Indian ministry, and she came there, and she was given encouragement and hope. She was given um, extra medications to take, which made her feel a lot better. So her life kind of came back onto a level where she could, where she could manage again. And in that journey, she met the Lord. And when she was standing there in front of everybody, now she's a little short Indian lady, not, I mean, to, in the culture she lives in, she is one of the despised people because she lives with HIV and AIDS. So she's, she's disfigured from having been horribly burnt. But she stood there and she said... One day, I was sitting in my room, and Jesus came to me. And he stood in front of me, and he opened his hands, and he said to me, I have your name written on the palm of my hands. I don't think anybody in there had a dry eye. This little Indian lady, despised by her own society, knew that Jesus had her name written on the palm of his hands. And that she can live with, she can live with forever and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loves her. That he loves her. I think that's just incredible. Words carry great power. And they carry power either for good or for evil. We can build up or we can destroy with our words. Negative words have affected most of us in our lives at some time. But some of us, some of you, are still unable to move forward into all God has for you because of negative things spoken over your life at some point in time. And you can still hear that word in your head. And sometimes we speak negative things over ourselves. Or we think negative things about ourselves. And they are not the things that God says about us. Today, I tell you, that can change. It doesn't have to go 
anywhere past today. It can change today. For as much as we are talking about the power of encouragement, we also need to recognize the damage done by the very opposite. In order to move forward into being a community of people that operate in the power of encouragement, we need to recognize before God the damage done by us with the words that we have spoken that have been negative or critical and judgmental regarding either an individual or God's church. We can't build on something unless we're building on the foundation of Christ. And anything else has to be torn down first to build on Christ and the truth of his word. It's time to tear down the strongholds in our own lives and in the church that are in the way of us moving forward. You haven't yet reached your full potential. And neither have I. There's still a way to go. Hallelujah. We need to be committed to Christ first and then to each other. God is calling his church to arise. There's only room for participants and not passengers. I want to be a body, part of a body that's on fire for Christ, moving forward together, demolishing strongholds over our town, over our nation, in prayer and seeing captives set free and people caught up in revival as the Lord comes again in power, in the church first, in the church first, and then out there, out there, in our community, in our nation. It starts in here and it starts in me. Romans 15, 5 to 6 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then this in the message. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. I'm going to read that again. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Christ Jesus gets along with us all. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. Now, I want to make room this morning. I've talked about many things, and yes, it's about the power of encouragement, but I've mentioned the, the power of negative words spoken over us. 
I've also mentioned the need to come before God to ask for forgiveness for words that we have spoken over others and over the church that have not been right, that have been critical or judgmental. And I want to make space for that. I don't want anybody to go out the same today as they were when they came in. We are about building community together in here. And the only way we can do that is stripping away everything that's got in the way and building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So I want to invite anybody to come forward who has felt that the Spirit nudge them about something I've said, but also if there's anybody here today that does not have that relationship, you do not know this God, this Jesus, who is dependably steady and warmly personal. What a description of who Christ is. If you don't know at all this Christ, or if you don't know him in that way, then don't go out today before you've done something about that. Nobody needs to go out that door today without having been challenged and, and responded to this word from God. Today might be the only day you get that opportunity. It might not come round again for a very long time. I'm not saying it won't come round again. But on my journey, I've been around that mountain so many times. I tell you, when there's an opportunity, take it. Take it, because today is the day. And I want to leave you with that scripture. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. Amen. <laughs>